welcome to episode 95 of the Atlas Podcast. My name is Emma Loggins, editor-in-chief at Fanbolt.com. And I'm Matt Rodriguez, the owner-in-chief editor of Shakefire.com. And I'm Mike McKinney with last one to leave the theater.com and atlcw.tv and i'm back Yay. <laughs> do you guys miss me i who, still have who I still are you <laughs> i know i've been gone for so long i feel like i still haven't listened to the one podcast um that you guys said was a total disaster without me so i still have to listen <laughs> to that one well, was it, um, was was like it, what? We should clarify that it wasn't a disaster as far as the listeners are involved. It's just a disaster as far as us recording it. <laughs> yeah. Well, hopefully those days are behind us. Yeah, now and that you're back. Now that I'm back. And, of course, when I come back, someone else comes back. And she's not happy right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> my golden doodle puppy, Fozzie, is... Um, testing all of her limits right now <laughs> um currently she's eating the side of her chewbacca blanket which is awesome um but if you hear whining or like that <laughs> or um me saying random words during this podcast um please just ignore it <laughs> well we should we should also say that i i am a uh, house sitting and um i have a, a guest also by the name of Watson, that's uh, also, but he's quietly just sitting by my side. So I don't think we'll have any problems there. Well, that, <laughs> that makes one of us. <laughs> and I am at work with no animals of any sort. So if you hear any sounds on my end, it's probably me. <laughs> um, well, it's, uh, it's good to have us all back. And yeah. uh I was in Europe for two weeks, and I went out for Walker Stalker Con London, and that was awesome. And uh, I had a, a good bit of coverage of that on Instagram and InstaStory and Twitter and all of that fun stuff. And um, from there, we went to Italy and got to experience Venice, uh, which was not exactly what I thought it would be. It was beautiful, but I, I didn't realize that um, Aqua Alta, which is high water, um, that was still a problem that was going on while I was there. And uh, the last night, especially, it was almost like hurricane conditions in a city that's basically at or below sea level in majority of it. So it was it was an adventure. But um, <laughs> it was really how, cool. How terrible being in Italy and us here just seeing your pictures that you're posting, the, those that view you had, oh my God, <laughs> was insane. It was insane. Um, that was my first experience with Airbnb, and it was a great one. The, the host I had, um, Kira, was amazing. She was in contact with me for months before we went, giving me you know recommended restaurants and places to visit and kind of how to have the more authentic Venice experience instead of the tourist um, experience, because it is a very... Um, very touristy place, of course. And um, no, it was, I think it's the number one place in Venice to stay on Airbnb. And we just happened to get lucky that someone canceled and it was available when we were there. But um, it was the view. We had a, that, that rooftop was two stories, which was kind of ridiculous. Um, and it was on the sixth floor, which meant we had to walk up a hundred stairs every single time we went to the unit which was a lot of stairs, but it's it's nice in Venice to not be street level because what happens... Because <laughs> of the water? Because <laughs> the water comes in and um, all of the places there have these little like kind of three foot boards um, that, that come up in front of their entryways to try to keep the water out, but um, that doesn't always work. So um, word of advice, if you're going to Venice, um, this time of year in the fall is, is generally Aqua Alta, so the waters are a little bit higher. And um, Fozzie, I swear, sit down. <laughs> She's she knows. She knows whenever we do a podcast. Um, go to your place, place, place. <laughs> Anyways, um, back to the conversation. Um, yeah, Venice. Venice was amazing, and it's uh, if you go, this is a great time of year to go because it's not as crowded. But then you do have to deal with the water, so it's something to to keep in mind if you're going. Uh, make sure you bring rain boots and uh, waterproof clothing. <laughs> what was so. what was the temperature like around this um, time of year? 
it was crazy because when we got in, we took um, we took a private water taxi into the city, which is definitely like the most majestic way to do it instead of going on this ferry that kind of goes all the way around the lagoon and, and takes a, about an hour to get in. But um, it was we were in T-shirts when we got there. So it was probably like low to mid 60s. And then on the day we left, it was uh, snowing. <laughs> so, um, that's that's quite drastic change. It was it was a pretty drastic change. Although this um, although this week in Atlanta, it's been it's been kind of drastic. We we had yeah um, yeah uh, and Tuesday. It was really cold, and then yesterday it was really nice, and today it's just beautiful. So yeah, I think we're in the seventies and sixties from here on out. So took took long enough for us to get here. <laughs> um, yeah, and it'll probably what stay here for like two weeks, and then it'll be raging hot. Exactly. Yep. Good old Atlanta. Um, well, speaking of Atlanta, I was not with you guys last week because I went to the auto show, and that was the first time I've ever been at an auto show. So that was a kind of interesting experience, too. Um, the great news is that I won a contest I didn't know that I entered on Twitter, and uh, I won eight tickets to next year's auto show um, with one of my photos that I did of the uh, the Kia Stinger. It was it wasn't a competition through Kia. It was like the actual auto shows, like Twitter c- contest or something. Um, but I won eight tickets, and I'm in a, a final round of something. They haven't sent me the link yet to win another eight tickets. So I could potentially have 16 tickets wow. to next year's auto show. I'm like, that's more people than I like know. Like, it's more people than I talk to. <laughs> like, I don't even um, know what to do with that. But Could do um, a giveaway on FanBolt. Yeah, I'll totally do a giveaway on FanBolt. And in the meantime, all of you guys can come to, come to the auto show next year. Um, but that was a pretty cool experience. They had a lot of, um, all of the different car brands had ride and drive so you could test out each one of the cars and, um, uh, you know, see see what you liked, what you didn't like, and um, get to, to explore them, I guess, without the, you know, when you go to a dealership and, you know, they're kind of like on top of you wanting you to buy something, you can kind of <laughs> do it at your, your own uh, free will at this, which is kind of cool. So, um, I've got a post up about that on Fanbolt where you can see some more pictures. Obviously, everything is catered to Kia because I am a brand ambassador for Kia. Um, but they had a pretty cool setup, and everyone, of course, was interested in the the Kia Stinger, which um, Matt's going to be getting a little bit more familiar with next week when we're yeah, in San Diego. Less, less than a week away, and I yeah. couldn't be more excited. Once again, abandoning me. <laughs> well, oh, my God. It happens, Mike. Um, <laughs> but it's going to happen less with Mike's new blog, which I don't know if he's ready to talk about yet. But when he is, I'm I'm excited to talk about it. Yeah. Um, well, I, I do have uh, a, a funny story about the uh, auto show. Um, I used to go to the one in San Antonio. In fact, I used to I dated a, a woman who was the daughter of a, a he was a manager of a dealership. And so we used to go to auto show uh, opening night, which was a black tie event, which meant I had to be in a tuxedo. And uh, we caught one of the models that was demoing the cars. We caught her calling on a car phone. This is back in the 90s. So it was before cell phones were really prevalent. And she was calling, she was calling her boyfriend in like LA on the, on the, the auto phone. <laughs> And, and just talking away, and she's like, we caught her, and she's like, they they won't know. <laughs> like I'm like, I think they will. <laughs> Those long distance charges, man, they'll notice. Yeah, and, <laughs> and using a using a cellular phone back then, you doing long distance that was very pricey. But I just thought it was funny that she was she thought she could get away with it, like, like she would That's nobody would hot. figure it out. <laughs> Just blame one of the other car models. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> um, well, to keep us moving along, because we have a, a fair amount of stuff today. Um, we talked a little bit back in February when um, Matt had the best day of his life, <laughs> meeting <laughs> Seth for half. Um, yes. <laughs> and um, I think it's, what was and the premiere date on that? Has that already the happened? The premiere date, yeah. The premiere date was the 28th, so Wednesday of this week. Um, okay. Yesterday for when we're recording this. And uh, yeah, it was premiered on ABC. Um, 
and you know we we got to, we all got to see the first two episodes back at Scad's ATV Fest. You know when we interviewed Zach Braff. Uh, you might tell him what and, what the show is. Oh, Alex Inc. In case we haven't, yeah. <laughs> They were just so excited about Zach Braff. That's that's all you need to know. It's just Zach it's just Braff. Zach that's, Braff. That's, that's the title of the show, Zach Braff. But no, it's uh, Alex Inc. And so Zach Braff plays Alex, and he quits his job, his successful job, to start up a podcast. And so the show basically revolves around him starting up this new journey and his family and how they all deal with starting a new podcast. And it's a lot of fun. It's a really good show. I really enjoyed it. If you like Scrubs, you'll love Alex Inc. Um, I say it's basically what would happen if JD retired and started a podcast. That's how I see the show. (laughs) It's very much in that same vein as Scrubs. So you get a lot of these very comedic moments, but then like one minute later, it'll be this serious, heartfelt moment that really kind of pulls at your your heartstrings and so that's what i really liked about the show and the kid in it oh my god the kid is absolutely amazing um this is the first thing i've seen him in actually um he was in mr robot yeah uh, he was in mr robot i think he was like in some episodes of csi or something he's never been like in a big role he's always just guest starred and stuff but uh his name's elijah hennig and he plays Zach Braff's son in the show. And he is just he is just amazing. Like it is ridiculous how great he is in this show. And like he steals it. So definitely watch the first two episodes. And we're gonna we're gonna play some of my interview with Zach Braff and and Matt Tarsus, who is the creator and um writer for the show, along with Zach Braff. Um both of them work together on Scrubs, and so they're reuniting for this show now. So, yeah, here, here's my interview with, with them. So, you know, as I overheard uh, about Alex Incorporated, about how, you know, they basically start, you're starting up this brand new business and stuff. And I'm wondering, like, do you guys get that feeling whenever you're doing, like, you know, a new show or a new movie? Like, do you have that same, you know... Um, drama that same kind of feeling when it for yourself of course it's completely intimidating you know when you first start something you're looking up at a giant mountain and going how the hell am i possibly going to get to the top of that and when you when you think of all the work and you know the writer's room has to write uh 10 episodes in a very short amount of time and if it's the first season they obviously have to be all particularly amazing otherwise you know you 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 won't be putting your best foot forward and we have an enormous crew to hire and uh, sets to build and, uh, and just so many decisions to make. So it's, it's, it's daunting and, and, and it's not like you're going to be hiding out somewhere. It's, it's, it's our two names on it. So you really want to put everything you have into it. What was it like for you guys reuniting? Cause, like, you both worked together on Scrubs. So coming back to do this, how was that? It was um, terrible. Every single second. No, we. Uh, it was great. You know, Zach and I were very. We were. We were friends on Scrubs, and I, we were both kind of coming up. That was sort of the beginning of our both of our careers, and and. Um, but we. I think we. We have very similar sensibilities when it comes to comedy. We like a. We like. We like kind of slightly broad stuff, physical stuff, but we also like. Um, you know, something to have an emotional, a way to connect to something emotionally. So. It was. A, we were excited about doing it, and then once we did it to get, uh, once we started to work together, it's been a great. I think a great collaboration. It's we, been an we, amazing collaboration. We, um, we kind of uh, we rarely fight, and when we do, you know, we it's work just, it out. It's just uh, he just ignores my text for like <laughs> for a few hours, and then he comes back online. <laughs> has, has the bromance replaced Donald? Uh, no, I could never replace yeah, Donald. I don't. It, I don't it's, a close it's a close <laughs> second. I was just with Donald late last night. <laughs> And he was yelling at me not to leave a bar. <laughs> but you left. I me. did leave because I had to meet you. Um, you know, speaking of collaboration, did you collaborate at all with the real Alex um, to the process? Or was it kind of just, you know, get his permission to do this show? You know, I talked to him a few times. He came to the, to, he came to the set once when we were shooting the pilot. 
he was very helpful, but I think he I think he was also kind of respectful of the fact that this was going to be a, a different thing, you know. And I think he he you know because it isn't it isn't the show is very different than the podcast. It's inspired by the podcast. We love the podcast, but we couldn't make the same. We couldn't make a half-hour family comedy. Yeah, we had to figure out how to turn this amazing podcast into a half-hour comedy. So it's inspired by, and there's, there's, you know, there's, there's touchstones that are the overlap, but it's not. Uh, and they were very supportive, and they gave us what you know, they gave us, you know, answered our questions, answered our questions, and 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 were you know always, you know, behind us. But they didn't, get, they didn't sort of make us do things a certain way, and they didn't sort of get mad when we did things. I think they want us to just take it, take the concept and run with it, and that's what we did. What's what's the one thing you want fans and audiences to take away from the show? Uh, I think you know there's so much great TV right now that we're all loving and binging, but I do think there's this there's this niche that uh, that our show I think helps fill, and that is something that a whole family can watch together. It is it's um, we think it's super funny and it has heart, but it's on at eight thirty on ABC. Um, you know, in the spirit of those great ABC family comedies like Modern Family in the Middle and Blackish, where where you as an adult are gonna hopefully crack up at it, but also you can watch it with your with your kids and not feel awkward. And so that that's tricky to do in in this day and age. But I think that we aspire to fill to, to fill the, the demand for that because I think as as much as there is a ton of great TV, there's not a whole lot of stuff that you can watch after dinner before your kids put your kids to sleep that you can all watch together. And that's what we want to do. So there you have it. Hopefully I didn't sound too crazed and geeked <laughs> out because I was, that was the most nervous I've ever been, ever. No, you, you, they you were just saved, such cool guys. No, you just saved it for, yeah. for, the, for that night when we were at the party and he walked by you and you squeed. <laughs> I wasn't nervous for that. That was just, that, that was, was excitement. That was a natural reaction. <laughs> the interview, yeah, that was, yeah, that was just me. But yeah, um, no, like, and it's it's amazing because they were so cool. Yeah, they were and, like, really cool. And they lived up to my expectations because you know they you say that you should never meet your heroes and the people you admire because at least the ones like you see you know online or on the screen that kind of stuff because right. they never live up to your expectations. But oh, he totally did. He was he's so nice and so <laughs> down to earth and chill and and funny. It was great. <laughs> I loved it. Um, well, I was looking up to see how how it did when it premiered um, on on Wednesday night, and so it premiered on ABC after the Goldbergs, and it was in the eight thirty time slot, and it premiered to a one point one and four point six million viewers. And according to the Wrap dot com, that is somewhere between not terrible and not bad. Um, so it's literally what it says. Um, but it's, it's debut actually finished last among the big four networks in both ratings and total viewers. So, yeah, everybody go out and watch it because it's, it's, it's a really good show. It is a really really good show. It It is. Maybe it's not the right time slot. I don't, I don't know. Like it's, well, like in, in the interview, you know, Zach was saying how they want to have. They wanted to create a show that is geared toward families, that families can sit down and watch together before the kids go to sleep and stuff. And right. so that's the demographic they're going for. And that's the that's the block of programming they have them with, yeah. with the Goldbergs and Modern Family. But it's um, and it's not. a. I mean, Goldbergs at eight had a one point four and five point four million viewers. So I'm not. It's not as bad as you make it sound <laughs> yeah i don't feel like it's a huge drop but um yeah. it's and then i mean tv is changing in general anyways so it like is. who knows how many people dvr did or exactly. what have you are gonna watch it online kind of thing like that that doesn't take into account those people so exactly we won't know it's true true numbers until probably like this weekend or or something yeah, we'll keep an eye on it. It looks like um, Fox topped the night with Empire's Return, which isn't surprising. It's a tough mm. night for, for TV. There's a lot of stuff on. Yeah. Um, and, of course, Survivor is on that night. I didn't even realize Survivor was still on. That, I was about um, to say, that's still going? <laughs> it's still Good going. Um, still holding in there strong, coming in first for the night uh, with, uh, let's see, Survivor, which is at 8, 8 to 9. So it's against Survivor. That's like... <laughs> 
That's hard. That's hard. Um, and that came in with a 1.7 and 8.1 million viewers. So it is hard to say. I mean, television is a different landscape now than it was, you know, five or even or 10 or even five years ago. So we'll we'll keep following yeah. it. Hopefully it'll stay around. It's a show that got it has heart. So you want to see it do well. Yeah. Uh, by the way, uh, Watson has decided to join the broadcast. So um, he's right by the microphone. He's making a few noises. So. Yeah. <laughs> Fozzie is now asleep. She's given up. <laughs> so, oh, there we go. We'll see how long that lasts. Well, if Watson could figure out how to get into my lap, he would He would do that right now. Aww. One dog exits, another dog enters. I know. Which is fitting because the uh, the one of the reviews we're going to do today reviews is I Love Dogs. <laughs> so it's uh, definitely fitting. Um, but before we get into that, let's talk about our box office results for um, for last weekend. Uh, what what did you did you guys make predictions? How did how yeah did we, things we both, stack up? We both felt that Pacific Rim Uprising would top Black Panther. Black Panther would finally not be number one. Um, I don't it think it's true. I don't think we thought Pacific Rim would do quite the number it did, which was twenty eight million. I think we were talking about twenty five, or even a little bit less than that, maybe twenty. But um, it, we definitely thought that Black Panther finally would be number two. Well, this is um, with a total production budget of 150 million and making 28.1 million the first weekend. That doesn't seem like right, but <laughs> but then but then if you look at overseas, China it, it did, did better. It did 64 million. It did I think uh, uh, the first weekend it did almost 150 million just overseas. Yeah, I was about to ask I mean, like that. If you look at the first Pacific, Pacific Rim film as well, like it didn't do that big here. Yeah, I did only over, it did like overseas, only 100 million it did monster. Here, but it overseas yeah. it did so. huge it did like 360 million overseas. So, so. that's the reason why this film was made. And the gotcha. film itself, I mean, you could tell it's definitely going for that overseas audience. Right. All right. Well, um, that came in first, followed by Black Panther in second with 17 million. I can only imagine in third with 13.6 million. Which is a big, which is a big number. I mean, that that was in the second weekend. That's not the first weekend. That's the second weekend, and it did that yeah. that many. So that's a big number. That's, that one also had a production budget of seven million. So it's already totally total gross of 38 million. So that one's that one's doing pretty well. Um, I can only imagine again. <laughs> um, Sherlock Gnomes is in fourth at 10.6 million, and topping out the top five is Tomb Raider with 10.1 million. Um, I still, so I haven't heard your review for that, um, but is it something I need to go see, or is it something I can nah, read watch can, on a plane? You can, yeah, you can watch it on a plane. <laughs> or even, there's probably better stuff to watch on a plane, anyways. Like, it wasn't that great. I watched um, like eight movies um, to and from Europe, and I want to have a conversation with you guys like after the podcast about Mother and what the heck was going on and what was supposed to be like. (laughs) It was the weirdest movie. Yeah. If it's like I can't even. Okay, A, it gave me nightmares. <laughs> B, I, I know that it had some like deeper meaning that was probably just completely going over my head because it was so absurd and the environment I was watching it in was just like, it was just the most bizarre film ever. Um, yeah, Plane is definitely not an ideal place to watch Mother. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, had had there been someone sitting next to me, we got lucky and had the road to ourselves. but I can only imagine the face of, like, a person sitting next to me seeing what was happening on my screen. Like, it's just, it, huh, yeah. it's just such a weird movie. Was, I wonder, was it edited at all? Like, do... I, I don't know. How, how would I know? to know, yeah. I don't know, like, because I know some airlines. The baby scene? Oh, the baby scene was in there. <laughs> or the the brutal beating of Jennifer Lawrence. That was in was there too. In? Okay. Uh, yeah. oh, there's, there is. I don't think there's any nudity. Yeah, there is. Jennifer Lawrence when she gets beaten and her clothes get. Oh, ripped. that's right. Yeah. That's a, that's, Not, a, that's a weird uh, film to watch on a plane. It is a yeah. weird film. It's a weird film to watch in general, no matter what yeah, you watch. Yeah, it is. <laughs> but it's uh, 
Yeah, so I just, I don't know, we'll, we'll talk about that later because I'm still, like, completely confused and I need someone to, like, shine light on what I watched. Yeah. But um, um, what do you guys predict for this coming weekend? Because we've got Ready Player One coming out, which looks like, I think I read somewhere it made $3.75 million in Wednesday screenings or something like that. Yeah, I think um, it's going to be Ready Player One as number one. That's mine. Yeah, it's it's gonna be, it's gonna be it's gonna be a it's not gonna be a huge number, but I, it's still gonna do really well. Um, probably thirty two to thirty five million, I would say. And with starting, if you start with um, with the you know go with the five day forecast because it did open up last night, um, it could do like forty seven through through the through the whole weekend of that five day forecast. Um, it's it's gonna it's gonna dominate. Um, we've got one other new movie which they didn't screen as usual for critics, which is Tyler Perry's new film uh, with Taraji uh, P Henson, um, and that'll probably come in second. Um, Acrimony will come in second, uh, but it won't even come close to Ready Player One. And I think Black Panther, which is cooling off, which you would expect. I mean, it's already done six hundred forty-nine million dollars in the United States alone. Um, will come in third or fourth. Um, and I, Pacific Rim Uprising, I think, because the word of mouth is not going to be great on it, I think it'll it'll drop down like fifth or sixth. Um, is Isle of Dog opening in more theaters? Because I see like it premiered yeah, it, last week. Yeah, it premiered. And, and it that, was in 15. Was, I wanted to bring that up because um, it was only in 27 theaters, did it, but it did $1.6 million in 27 theaters, which um, looking at it, that's that's almost $60,000 per theater. Um, yeah. That's, and that, so that's telling you a lot. Um, that, yeah, it's opening up in more, more cities. I don't know if it's nationwide or not yet. Um, but it's definitely in more major cities. Uh, so. Do you think that's going to be in the top five at all, or you think it's going to be hanging out outside of No, I don't, it, it, it'll, you know, it'll still be, I don't think, it, it's not wide enough release yet to be in the, in the, even in the top 10. Um, gotcha. And you've got, it's really weird because, because of Easter, so the, the faith-based movies are all coming out, so you have, I can only imagine, which it will still do really well, but also um, last weekend, uh, Paul Apostle Christ came out, uh, which did like $4 million. Um, and then another movie uh, from the God's Not Dead um, series, uh, it's called A Light in Darkness, is also coming out. So all these faith-based movies for Easter are all coming out um, that's crowding right. the, the marketplace. And the faith-based movies are very interesting because they really market not to the... They do some commercials, and I've seen quite a few commercials, especially for I Can Only Imagine because it's done so well. But they really market hard to churches, and they try to get churches to do like busloads of buying a block of tickets and doing busloads uh, to come in and watch the films. And that's why they usually do really well the first weekend. Um, that that I can only imagine had legs. It did so well, and it's going to do well again this this next weekend. That's that's uh, that's pretty impressive. Cool, cool. Well, I would like to see. Isle of Dogs um, get up there at some point when it isn't to ride release it because it was a movie we all saw together and I think we all kind of have different views on it <laughs> <laughs> in traditional Atlas um, Atlas uh, tradition I feel like it's you know one of us wasn't as crazy about it and the other two loved it so um, let's dive into this one um, Mike Matt which one of you guys want to set this um, one up so, Isle of Dogs is a stop-motion animated film. Um, it is the longest stop-motion animated film uh, ever. Um, and basically, it's the story of a evil... Um, uh, I don't know if he's a mayor or if he's just a, a governor or what, but anyway, he's a government employee that decides that dogs are evil and that cats rule. And so he comes up with a plan to get all the dogs, um, the, he accuses the dogs of getting a disease, which some of them do have. And he exiles them to a island that is a island where they dump garbage. And so all the dogs are shipped to this island. And then there's one young boy who 
misses his dog so much that he decides to try to find a way to get to the island and then try to find his dog. And he gets in with four other dogs um, and they go on a journey to try to find his dog. And that's basically what the story is. It's this boy and four dogs on a journey in this aisle of garbage and trying to find uh, the, the lost dog. And it's, five, it's dogs. five dogs, actually. Okay, it's five dogs. All right, sorry. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, so um, that's that's what the the, the, the movie's about. Um, it's got a great um, cast as far as voices. I mean, Brian Cranston, um, Edward Norton, uh, Bill Murray, Jeff Goldblum, um, Greta Gerwig, um, uh, Scarlett Johansson, Harvey Keitel, F. Murray Abraham. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. It's just such an incredible cast. And the animation, I think, is just gorgeous. Yeah, it's a really beautiful film. Got a, a couple of fun facts before we jump into our review. Um, you mentioned it was the longest stop motion of film of all time. Um, it beat out Coraline, which was um, from 2009, and it is two minutes shorter than Isle of Dogs. So it was a pretty close close uh, race there. And this is Wes Anderson's eighth, collabor- eighth collaboration with Bill Murray. And my favorite one, Jeff Goldblum, um, he had a number of scheduling conflicts, so he couldn't get to England to record his lines with the rest of the cast. So he actually recorded all of his lines for this film over the phone. (laughs) That's that's like like the easiest paycheck ever. Like, just get on a phone call for, you know, a couple of hours, record record your lines and then just be done with it. That's pretty awesome. I mean, that's that says something about how good an actor Jeff Goldblum is if he can just record over the phone with yeah. the director, you know, like not being in a studio, not being with the rest of the cast or whatever, just, hey, I'll just do this over the phone. Who cares? <laughs> he literally phoned it in. <laughs> he literally uh-huh. phoned it in. Um, do we have a drum sound effect? No, I'll have to see if I can find one. <laughs> um, but uh, it's, it's uh, well, let's jump into the, the official review. Um, on a scale of a one to five, um, were you guys bored at all during this one? Zero. I'm giving it like a 3.5 on You're, boredom. Really? I was, I, so. Why? Okay. <laughs> Matt's dead inside. So, so I am, I am not the biggest <laughs> Wes Anderson fan. Once so again, this, Matt Wes is Wes Anderson directed this, this, he's, <laughs> and I was just, Honestly, I didn't think the film did a really good job in like, making me care about the dogs or care about Seriously? the kid. Care about any of them. Like, there are a couple of good heartfelt scenes that I really enjoyed. And like Mike said earlier, the animation is absolutely beautiful. That was what kept me entertained throughout the movie. But it was just, I found the movie to be exhausting. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know what movie you're watching, Matt, because I just, I thought this was a wonderful film. I was riveted from the start. Um, I loved the storyline. I thought it was imaginative. And I was enthralled throughout the whole film. And I loved the characters. Um, all, the, 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 the five dogs were amazing. Really, the, the only good dog is Chief, who uh, Brian Cranston voices. Everybody else was just, everybody else was forgettable. No, come on, you can't, you can't say Bill Murray's forgettable. Come on. He, that's, he re- that's a ridiculous comment. That is ridiculous. He was forgiven. No, that no. You you can't say so. You're saying that 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 Bill Murray. I don't even. And, and who Jeff was Goldblum. Bill Murray? Who did he voice? You're saying that that Bill Murray and Jeff Goldblum were forgettable characters. Their 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 dogs were were forgettable. Yes. You're, I totally disagree with that. <laughs> totally. At least at least one of them was for you, Mike. <laughs> I just I, I I was enthralled by this film. I just loved it from the start. Um, Maybe you're just not a dog person. Then maybe that's maybe that's why I love dogs. Yeah, and I'm, that's, it was just I don't I don't I'm, I'm not getting, a fan I'm of Wes Anderson's style. Maybe you, I'm getting this feeling maybe you don't love dogs. That that's just <laughs> just on the front. Uh, I'm just not a Wes Anderson fan, and it just I don't like his style. Well, I feel just, I feel sorry for you because he he's he's a wonderful filmmaker. <laughs> I mean, I res- I respect him. I know it's. I know people enjoy his movies, but I'm just not one of them. 
Oh my god, I love listening to you guys argue. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah, why don't you join in? Because you love this movie as much as I did. Emma. I did. I did love it. Um, I completely disagree with Matt. I was never bored at all. It's a beautiful film. Every single frame of it is gorgeous. The animation is amazing. The story is heartwarming and touching and like I just loved every part of this film and the cast is amazing none of the dogs are forgettable like I just I I feel exact opposite of everything Matt said (laughs) I wasn't bored at all like it was and it was one of those movies where like I hadn't had dinner before I went and so normally (laughs) I get really picky about long movies when I haven't eaten but like I really enjoyed this one like it it could have gone on longer and I wouldn't have mind or like I'd like to watch more of these dogs because like I did I did feel like I had a connection with them like it the film did make me feel and feel something for them and care about them um so yeah I I completely disagree (laughs) So I oh, guess well. mo- moving along to the the eye rolling, um, I wasn't rolling my eyes at all, but I'm assuming you probably were. I mean, I don't I don't know if I was eye- rolling my eyes at it, because I mean I was captivated by the animation and just the cinematography of it. Like there were a lot of moments where I was I was impressed by how cinematic they made the stop motion look. So, like, I was more into it on the technical side of everything. All so, right. I mean, I wasn't, I wouldn't necessarily say I was rolling my eyes at the film. It was just meh for me. It was just like, okay, I was just going with it. Once again, Matt's dead inside. Um, and <sighs> I, no eye rolling at all for me. I thought this was a magical film. Um, just beautiful to watch. And I, like I said, I love the storyline and I love the characters. Um, and I just thought it was a, a really, and it's, it's a very, I thought it was a very moving and touching film. Oh, I definitely agree. Um, as far as best and worst performance, for me, I, I definitely would have to give it to, to Brian Cranston. And this is actually his first stop motion film. He's worked on um, some other projects like Robot Chicken and Super Mansion, but this is his actual um, first stop motion movie. Uh, what did you guys think? Was there any performances that really stood out as good or bad to you guys? No, Brian Cranston definitely was the best performance. I really enjoyed his. Because like I said, Chief was, for me at least, the only memorable dog. <laughs> but um, <sighs> I would say I didn't like Greta Gerwig, her character. She plays Tracy Walker, who is this student this overseas student in Japan who is basically she's the one who rallies the the city against the new mayor and his imprisonment of the dog like she thinks there's a whole conspiracy behind everything and um her her story just felt weird and awkward to me at least so i'm gonna i'm giving Greta Gerwig my my vote for worst I didn't have a worst. Um, I thought Brian Cranston uh, also was the best. I mean, he's he's really the main dog. He's the leader. Um, he's the he's the the one that rallies them to do all the stuff that they do in the film. Um, so uh, Brian Cranston was the best one. But I didn't have a worse one um, in the. See, film. we can all agree on something. <laughs> like our our common ground here is that we just love Brian Cranston. Um, Indeed. Um, well, obviously, there. This has nothing to do with Atlanta, so there's there's no Atlanta happening here. Um, this is, of course, set in Japan, so it's it's not, and it's stop motion, so no <laughs> recognition factor for for our city. Um, overall, on the official Atlas scale, um, what would you guys give Isle of Dogs? Well, I'm giving it probably like a. 2.75 cuz Matt's dead inside. Whatever, Mike. <laughs> Whatever. You know, Mike. I I love the animation, but you know, like I'm not the biggest Wes Anderson fan. Like I I loved Fantastic Mr. Fox so much more than Olive Dogs. You're upsetting Fozzie right now. 
<laughs> I just want you to know this. She it's, is barking, and it's because of you. <laughs> whatever. I, I will always love Fozzie. <laughs> uh, Mike, what about you? I'm giving it a five. I love this film. I thought it was just an amazing uh, piece of filmmaking. Um, and um, I love the storyline. And apparently Fozzie agrees with me. Fozzie does agree with you. That is her. Oh, so when bark. Fozzie's barking at me, it's because she hates me. But yeah, she's no, barking no, at Mike, it, it, she doesn't hate Matt. She doesn't hate you. She just she just agrees with me that you're dead inside. <laughs> okay. Sure, sure. Um, well, I have to agree with um, Mike on this one. I would also give it a five. It's it's a beautiful film, and it's one that um, I highly recommend that you guys go check out because it is it's awesome. So um, that's our review of Isle of Dogs, and we're going to move on to the highly anticipated Ready Player One, which we, uh, Mike and I saw this week. We were, we were matless for, for the screening. Um, yep, I was absent. I was actually at Super Troopers 2, which I can't talk about yet, but there will be stuff further down the line. <laughs> um. Well, with Ready Player One, uh, it's a Steven Spielberg film, and it's based on the book Ready Player One, which Ernest Cline wrote. It's a bestseller, and it's become a worldwide phenomenon. The film is set in 2045 with the real world on the brink of chaos and collapse, but people have found salvation in a place called the Oasis, which is an immersive virtual universe where you can go anywhere, do anything, be anyone. Um, it was created by this individual, James Holiday, and when this individual died, he left his immense fortune and total control of this virtual world to the person who wins these three challenges and these these three keys, basically unlocking the door to um, a, a digital Easter egg that he's hid somewhere in this huge creation. So he launched a game that gripped the entire world, but after five years of playing it, no one has even got the first challenge completed until now. And that's kind of where this film picks up with um, an unlikely hero named Wade Watts, who finally conquers the first contest, and it kind of goes from there. So um, I have to say, like, going into this, I had such high expectations, but I feel like before I even went into the theater, like I was reading reviews that kind of made me scared about it. Um, if you've seen the the preview for it, you know that there's a ton of Easter eggs in this film itself with a lot of other um, films and pop culture references. And um, part of why this film took so long to make is they were actually trying to get the licensing for all of these, you know, things that they wanted to reference in the film. So um, let's hop straight into our review. Um, Mike, were you bored at all during this one? No, I wasn't. I thought it, it moved at a really quick pace, and um, I enjoyed the film, so I wasn't bored. And, and it's so visually, you're, you're, you know, I'm not a big gamer, so I didn't know what a lot of the characters on the screen were, because uh, a lot of them from video games. But um, I was enjoying the fact that there were so much of, of these Easter eggs. I mean, just like in even, even posters. And um, so it was just fun to just to try to figure out what was on the screen. Um, and I thought the storyline moved really well. Um, I was engaged with the character, so I wasn't, I wasn't bored at all. Yeah, I wasn't either. It's it's a really fun movie, and I feel like you could probably see this movie ten times and not catch all of the the references in it, and um, you know stuff from the Iron Giant, Tron, Lord of the Rings, Back to the Future, Nightmare on Elm Street, Tomb Raider. It, it just goes on and on. Um, it's just a, a thousand different references in this. Um, so I just I found it really it was just a fun movie. So I wasn't bored at all either. Um, as far as rolling my eyes, uh, that one's that one's hard for me to judge. Maybe a little, maybe maybe a little, but not enough to where I felt annoyed. What about you, Mike? Yeah, I, I would say probably maybe uh, 1.5. I mean, I, 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 there was a little bit of eye rolling, um, but I wasn't. It, it it didn't bother me. It didn't bother me at all. Um, it's just because it, there was, even if you got to something that was a little eye rolling. There was something else right right away. There was something else to look at. There was something else in the storyline. Uh, this this movie moves at a really fast pace, so um, it it kept me entertained. 
It did move at a fast pace, which I feel like is important to note because it is a two hour and 20 minute long movie. So it's it's pretty long, but it doesn't um, but, but it, it doesn't feel that long. It doesn't feel that long. Um, as far as best and worst performances, was there anything that stuck out to you as particularly bad or, or really, really well done? I, I really liked Olivia Cook. Um, she is uh, this uh, gamer called Artemis. Um, and she's the love interest for the Ty Sheraton character. Um, I, I thought she was really good in it. And I love the fact that um, what, where, where Ty Sheridan is the hero of the film, she's really the co-hero. Um, she's really, she, she is right in there with him um, all along, all through the whole thing until the very end. Um, and um, I, lo- I love that fact. I always like that fact when the, the, the female character isn't there just to be a love interest, but is actually there to help the main character in the storyline and, and fight with him right by his side. Yeah, she was. Uh, she's a pretty, pretty badass female in this. Uh, it's a, it's a really cool role for her. Um, yeah, I, you know, there's nothing that stuck out to me as um, acting wise as particularly amazing or particularly bad. I felt like it was all pretty solid. Um, and again, just a fun movie. It's not a great movie, but it's a really <laughs> fun movie. So it's, it's. Um, there, there wasn't anything that really stuck out to me in either direction. And obviously this is, um, you know, set in 2045 in Ohio. Um, so this, this one didn't film here in Atlanta. So no recognition factor <laughs> for, for ATL here. Um, but overall, um, before we, before we dive into our official, um, our official, final scores for it. I do want to give you guys some fun facts about it because this one actually has a pretty um, in-depth IMDb page of fun facts. I'm um, sure. <laughs> I can't wait to see like the people you know who post videos to YouTube of the Easter egg breakdown of movies when it's like, yeah. oh, like only two minutes usually for movies. But like this one, you're basically posting the entire film, I would imagine. Yeah, I feel like this one, you've got your homework cut out for you. Um, yeah. Because literally, I, I feel like every scene or every frame of this movie has an Easter egg in it, um, yeah. or pretty close to it. Um, I mean, that's how the book is. The book is just absolutely ridiculous with references to pop culture and everything. Yep, yep. It's uh, what's, it's funny because this film was actually originally scheduled to be released on December 15th of last year, and then they pushed it back um, to this weekend to avoid competition with Star Wars, which I think was probably smart to do. Um, it kind of reminds me of, uh, although granted I never saw it, um, and now I'm spacing on the name of it, what was it, the As- Assassin's Creed mm. uh, movie that came out a couple of years ago, um, which I don't think that was... You guys didn't like that one, did you? No, not at all. Not that good. No. Um, But it's a similar kind of thing where it's a kind of video game centric movie coming out of the holidays against some heavy hitters. So I feel like you've got to be a really great film if you're going to come out in December. Yeah. And were there were there any Star Wars references in the movie? No, there's not. There's there's not because they couldn't get the rights to 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 the Star Wars. Yeah, it's. Um, I think probably the majority of things that are in this are all Warner Brothers. Um, I may be wrong, but that's. In fact, I, I mean, it's. I I, um, I read that the the crew actually kept trying to put in stuff in from Spielberg movies, you know, like mm-hmm. in the background, and that he kept on catching them, like they would try to like mm-hmm. put an ET doll in the bedroom, oh, yeah. and they and every <laughs> time Spielberg would walk in and go, okay, that's got to go. So um, yeah, there's no there is no Star Wars because they couldn't get the rights to it. They could him he, he spent I don't know if you've already said this, but he uh, Spielberg spent two years just um, getting the rights to all the stuff that they could do. Um, yeah. yeah, that took a that's probably a hefty chunk of their budget and a lot of their time devoted to doing that. And he said um, for that reason and probably a few others that this is the the most difficult film that he's done since Saving Private Ryan. Um, so it's a lot of blood, sweat, and tears have been put into this one, too. 
a lot of the um, fun facts from this one is about like uh, casting and other people that were looked at to either act in the film or direct the film. Um, Christopher Nolan, Matthew Vaughn, Peter Jackson, Edgar Wright were all considered to direct this film. And it's kind of interesting when you talk about that because you kind of try to imagine what this film would have been like had one of these other directors um, you know, ha- had they done it, and especially Edgar Wright. Like, I, I yeah. kind of wonder what this movie would have been like if, if Edgar Wright had done it, because he has such a specific um, style. style that I think yeah. would work well in this I space. S- I still wonder what Ant-Man would have been like had yeah. Ed- Edgar Wright directed it. And this, this definitely has a very Spielberg feel to it. Um, it's definitely, you know, it's the kids... Uh, it's got a very much uh, E.T. kind of feel to it in the fact that the, the, it's kids that are saving the world instead of adults. In fact, adults are the bad guys and the kids are the ones that are, are saving the world. Um, and it's it's got that 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 feel, uh, the Spielberg feel of that basically good can can triumph over evil um, if you just keep perce- per, pursuing your, your goal. Um so it it definitely feels feels like a Spielberg movie. I'm curious to know is is one of the quests recreating war games? No, no? boo. <laughs> so yeah, in the in the novel, like the second quest, or basically to get the second key, the um, Tyler Sheridan's character basically has to reenact all of war games as Matthew Broderick. That's how he well, gets the key. I will say that the second challenge, though, is probably the best part of the film. <laughs> but um, would you agree with that, Mike? Yeah, I, th- I think so. Um, it's it, uh, it's a hysterical. Yes, it's it, it's it's not war games, and I don't want to give it away. I don't. I, don't, I haven't seen the trailer, so I, I haven't. Don't remember it. I don't think it's in the trailer. So we don't. I want, don't think it is either. Yeah, but it, it cool. it's literally the audience started clapping when this the, this these scenes came up so it's really good it's it i think it's actually better than the war would war games would have been i yeah, agree well, like that just that would have been hard that would have been hard to translate yeah to but this 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 is i think yeah. this is actually even better it is so much fun um and that's the thing about this film it's a fun movie to watch um there's a lot of very funny things in it and it's it's very enjoyable to watch but but those scenes that second quest it's really well done. It's it's probably the best thing in the movie, as Emma said. Um, I it's it's incredibly memorable, and I actually kind of want to see it again, but just because that that second quest was so much fun. It was. It's just a movie that you go and you see it, and you come out like laughing and talking about like your favorite scenes. It's just a happy, fun movie. Yeah, I, I, um, we've got we've got some fellow critics that saw it, and they did not like it at all. And then we got, I've got another, another critic, a friend of ours, that um, he did not like the movie, not, did not like the book at all. And he actually liked the movie quite a bit. So I don't know. I've got to read some of these reviews. I didn't want to read anybody's reviews until after I've written mine. But I want to read these reviews and see why they didn't like it. Seems I, very all over the place. Yeah, I, cause it does. I, just, I, I don't know whether they went in, you know, because there was a lot of talk about this movie beforehand. <clears throat> so I don't know if they went in. At a time with a preconceived notion that they weren't going to like it, um, that it was Spielberg or what? Um, because I I really enjoyed it. I don't think he's a great film. I don't think he's up there with E.T. or some of the other really really great Spielberg films. But it's a fun film to watch, and and I had a, I had enjoyed it quite a bit. Yeah, it's it's funny now looking through a bunch of the um, a bunch of the review titles. And it just seems like the consensus is that that critics just don't like this movie. Like, Ready Player One is a mile wide and a pixel deep. Like, it's a virtually Ouch. empty good time. Like, all of these are, like, negative, like, titles. I, I don't know. I don't agree with it. Um, I'm going to dive into some of these, too. Um, are Can't you be worse on- than Pixels. <laughs> Remember True. that terrible movie? Uh, oh, yeah, it, it can't be. Or Our Boss Baby, right? Oh, right? Or Boss it's Baby. It's like the, or, the one bad movie. Dog. Rock, rock dog. dog. That's our, that's our rock bottom. <laughs> our rock bottom film. But um, um, are you planning on seeing this one, Matt? Yeah. No, I'm. I'm a fan of the book, so I've been excited for this for a while now, and I was disappointed I missed 
both screenings on account of Fox Searchlight. <laughs> because one of <laughs> them was with well, was Dogs. because of Isle of Dogs, and the other one was because of Super Troopers, and both are Fox Searchlight. So, thanks, Fox. Let's but, let's um, be real. The real reason you didn't like Isle of Dogs is because you wanted to be seeing this, and now you're you're just like passive aggressive <laughs> about no, it with your review. I don't take that out on <laughs> on the movies. Um, but well, um, be, but yeah, no, I'll I'll be I'll I'm gonna try to make it out this weekend to see it. I'd be interested I'm, to hear what you what you think comparing it to the book. Yeah, because neither of you read the books. I'm assuming, right? Nope. Yeah. Okay. Well, well it's, cool. uh, it's, uh, it's at eighty percent on Rotten Tomatoes right now with one hundred and seventy-one reviews. There are so uh, the majority of film critics are like it, but there is a minority. In this case, out of one hundred seventy-one, there's thirty-five that didn't like it. All right. Well, I think Google Google News is just highlighting all of the negative reviews for me. <laughs> but, um, Those are the ones that make the most noise. That's true because angry fans like like me are going to go and read them to see why the heck they didn't like it. Um, but all of this being said, um, Mike, on the official Atlas scale, what would you give this one? For me, I think I would put it at four. Yeah, I'm going to give four it a four. I mean, I because it's just a I just I had a great time watching this movie. I thought it was fun and. Um, I, uh, the cast is good and um, it's visually just amazing to watch um, so I, I just had a fun time it's just a fun movie and, and I thoroughly enjoyed it I agree I completely agree um, so those are your, your new films actually Isle of Dog looks like it goes into uh, wide release on April 6th so if you can't find that one in your area this weekend go check out Ready Player One um, but we do have a few other um, films that we want to highlight, or should I say Netflix programming that, that we'd like to highlight. Uh, Mike, do you want to talk about Wild Wild Country? Yeah, Wild Wild Country um, is a documentary about a cult in the 1980s. Basically, um, there was a guru in India that started a cult in India, um, started getting into some trouble, and decided to move to America. And so this cult buys... 64,000 acres. And I don't remember the state, but it's it's like Montana, somewhere out, you know, in the wilderness next to this very, very small town. And they, almost overnight, they build a city. I mean, it has an airport and it has a restaurant and it has um, uh, theaters and meeting rooms and, and just a ton of housing. And... Um, this it's really an interesting movie. It's a movie that it's it's six hours in length. It's six parts, um, and it's one of those films that you will once you start watching it, you're gonna want to keep watching it. You know, watch this on a weekend because you're, you're gonna get so involved with it. Um, the interesting about this film is that there really aren't any heroes. Both the townspeople and the cult are just. They're horrible. Both of them are. You, you don't like either of them. Uh, you know, the townspeople are, from the get-go, are basically um, racist. Um, you know, they don't like the fact that they're this. It's basically a retirement community, and it's all white Anglo-Saxon retirees, and they're just from the get-go. They don't like these people because they're different than them, and they want them gone. And then the cult. Um, it, the the guru actually goes when they move to this this area. The guru um, basically goes on a uh, four year where he doesn't talk at all, and he has a main spokesman that is just she's a riveting personality. But man, you don't want to get on her bad side because you could lose your life. This has got everything in it. It's got sex. Um, it's got um, uh, uh, attempted assassinations. It's got um, murder. It's got uh, uh, embezzling. I mean, it's just it's 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 oh, and it's got the largest mass poisoning all t of all time. <laughs> it's just it's got everything. Um, you you said that with a little bit too much joy. I it's, know that was like an evil laugh, like a maniacal. It's, so, it's so unbelievable, <laughs> and and it's I can't I don't want to get into why they they did this mass poisoning, but it's just 
There's political aspirations. I mean, it's just amazing, amazing film. The the guru, he, he's one of these guys that um, he he taught he he basically came up with a version of yoga that kind of puts you into a trance. Um, but he's also incredibly materialistic. He has a fleet of Rolls Royces, and uh, twice a day. He gets in a Rolls Royce and all his followers line the roads and he just waves at them as he drives by them. And that's all he's doing. He's just driving by them. He's not going anywhere. He's just driving by them so that all his followers can see him every day. Um, they all are instructed to wear red red or orange clothing. So everybody's got all these these orange or red clothing. It's just, it's just a wild story. And uh, they have a ton of interviews with people, both that were in the cult including including the, the, the guru has died, but including the woman that was his spokesperson that, that basically controlled everything. Um, I mean, there's all oh, oh, this, also one of the largest wiretapping operations of all time. And so it's just got everything. It's got intrigue. It's got espionage. It's just an amazing, amazing film. And um, everybody in the film that's talking is, like I said, there's, there's not... Even the people you think, okay, I could like this person, and then they're like one of the ones that's involved in the assassination plot. <laughs> you know, so it's just an amazing film. Um, it's on Netflix. It was made for Netflix, um, and I highly recommend it. Um, and you will go down the, the rabbit hole with this film. You will be watching all six episodes in a row. Well, speaking of shows <laughs> that you'll watch all six episodes in a row. <laughs> and are amazing. Um, <laughs> and are amazing. And uh, so we, we all got together last Friday night and we had I had started talking about this um, show that I had seen an article about while I was overseas that had just premiered on Netflix called Nailed It. It's like a reality competition show. And I was really excited to show everyone. And then we ended up binging the entire everything that was on Netflix for it, which I think is only six episodes. Um, But it's called Nailed It. And it is a cake making competition. Um, And it's it's one of those things where if you see like the memes of like the beautiful decorated fancy cake and then you see someone that has attempted to make it and it's just like a, a hot wreck um that yeah, is what like like is. almost out of a horror film <laughs> yeah it's like it's so bad so if it's, you've ever been to a project cosplay <laughs> it's like it's project the cake, cosplay but it's the cake. cake version of project cosplay it's exactly what it is it's, um, it's a shit show but it is absolutely amazing exactly it's a. Uh, it's so funny. Like, if you're looking for something that's, you know, just something short and quick you can watch that's going to make you, like, make your stomach hurt from laughing so much, um, definitely check this one out. It's such a great series, and I'm hopeful that they're going to have more than yeah. these six episodes because it, it seems relatively easy from a production standpoint for them to be able to crank out more of these. Um, yeah. And, 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 and contestants are given a incredibly short amount of time to to accomplish these tasks um it's, yeah. yeah i mean it's literally you have to bake a cake and decorate it an elaborately decorated cake in as little as an hour which is just ridiculous to begin right. with it's it's something where they're asked to recreate something that realistically probably took a day or more to make and they're asked to do it you know in an hour to two hours so it's um the outcome is just, it's amazingly bad. It's remarkable when you can go, okay, that kind of looks like it. <laughs> I see what they were trying to do there. <laughs> because cause sometimes you're like, um, that doesn't even come close to what. And they, they've got some great judges. Um, they bring in a judge that, that is a baking expert in each episode that's got a, a different speciality. And then they have two judges that are regulars. One's the host, and then this other one uh, is this woman um, that does cake baking for a living, and she's older, and she's just hilarious. At one point in one of the episodes, she just gets up and goes in the kitchen and starts looking at all the equipment in the kitchen and decides she's going to take this pot home with her. She <laughs> just, just grabs the pot and says, this is going home with me. Yeah, she speaking was my of, favorite part. Speaking of guest judges, so Jay Chandrasekhar was a guest judge on the sixth episode. And like, 
So I got actually got to interview the the cast of Super Troopers. That's why I was at the screening. And when we watched this, I I brought I was like, oh my god, it's Jay Chandrasekhar. I I need to ask him about this because we had no idea that he would be one of the guest judges. And for some reason, he leaves in the middle of the show, in the middle of filming, because he has to go pick up his kids. And like you see in the episode, him leaving. And just disappearing. And, like, the other two judges are like, what is he doing? What is going on? Like, it is absolutely hilarious. And so, like, I I was interviewing him. I was like, oh, my God, I have to bring this up. And he was like, yeah. I told them ahead of time, like, I had to leave to pick up my kids. And he thought, he seriously thought they were going to cut around it. And they, they were going to edit it out. And so, and then, like, the series debuted on Netflix. And... He had a bunch of people coming up to him and be like, hey, I saw you on that Nailed It show. Like, your episode was crazy. And, like, he had to explain how how ridiculous it was. It was just, it seemed like filming of that, filming of the show was also a mess. And just, <laughs> I, I love it. I do, too. Um, so those are so two options for you guys to check out on Netflix. Uh solid programming um but next week we're gonna have we have a challenge of figuring out how we're gonna record (laughs) next week but we are gonna record next week um we're gonna be reviewing a quiet place or mike is going to be reviewing reviewing. a quiet place because uh matt and i will be in san diego with kia and we'll be talking about that next week too we will be reviewing the stinger exactly that's what em and i will be doing (laughs) you're leaving me behind once again Someone's got to hold down the fort. Yeah. Um, But yeah, we'll have some cool stuff for you guys next week. And uh, I think that's that's about it for this week. So So welcome back, Emma. Thank you. Thank you. This was a a fun episode to come back on because I'd actually seen both of these films we were reviewing. That's that's a rarity. (laughs) It is a rarity. For you to have seen the films and Matt not have, that's uh, that's a little unusual. It's a weird world. (laughs) Um, But uh, thank you guys for listening. Again, this is the Atlas Podcast, and my name is Emma Loggins, Editor-in-Chief at FanBolt.com. I'm Matt Rodriguez, the Owner-in-Chief Editor of ShakeFire.com. And I'm Mike McKinney with LastOneToLeadTheTheater.com and ATLCW.TV. And we'll talk to you guys next week. Bye. Bye.